Well, I want to open up this morning with a, a quick poll. This requires class participation. And so um, here in just a second, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask that you raise your hand. You know, you give a shout, whatever, things like that. But if you think the local church is important, I want you to raise your hand, right? Clap, amen, everybody. You sir, right there, you don't have your hand up. If, you get, um, if you're online, if you're, um, if you're online with this, type in the chat box. I do, you know, it, it's important, right? And I think we can all agree that the local church is vitally important. I, I figured you guys thought that because, you know, you're not at home right now, right? You could be sleeping in, bacon, eggs, that type of thing, breakfast in bed, but you chose to get up this morning. Um, you chose to come to church. You probably fought on the way with your wife or something like that. And so you place value on this, and I'm glad that you do. Um, I do as well. Um, but we can look back even historically and just see how important the church is. We see the importance now, but you may not know some historical truths about the church. Um, the first is this, the idea of the hospitals, we knew it, grew out of the Christian emphasis on charity, especially charity towards the sick. Do I have any healthcare workers in here? Man, we're grateful for you. Yeah, let's give them a hand. That's awesome, um, right? But that type of profession grew, it grew out of, Christian desire to minister to the sick, but we don't stop there. Early Christians were the first ones to take discarded infants. And there was actually a practice at one time about taking kids you don't want and just leaving them right into the elements. But Christians started to get those children that people had discarded, the first to start orphanages and the system of adoption that was birthed out of the local church and Christian charity, the heart that Jesus gave us. Man, what a, what a beautiful thing. And Jesus was and is the chief advocate for women's rights. That was not a movement that happened in the last 100 years. It happened 2,000 years ago with our risen savior saying women are valuable, man. That's something that the local church gifted to Western culture and beyond. Christianity gave children a higher status, right? Raised them up, deemed them as valuable. Eventually gave rise to helicopter moms, but you know, that was kind of something we need to fix. Um, Christianity created the foundation for our education system. Do we have any teachers, coaches, things like that in here? Man, I love our public education system. How awesome is that? Um, that's a direct result of the local church. The direct result of the local church. There was actually a time before Christians uniquely created this that only boys would go get an education and young girls stayed at home. So, I mean, score two for the ladies because of the local church, right? That they said, you know what? Maybe we should educate our girls along with our boys and we should raise them up too. And so the public education system was birthed because of the local church. And when I look back, at these things, that I look at culture today, I don't know about you, but I can't even imagine a world that's absence of, of foster systems, hospitals, public education. I can't fathom that world. But because of the gift of Jesus and his church, the body of Christ, it has shaped culture in such a profound way that it's created all of this, that, that God has shifted everything in such a unique way. And all of this, it doesn't include the charitable work by millions, countless men and women that are connected to the body. You know, Christians give more in charity than any other group on the face of the earth to, to schools, um, to children, to needs across the world and across the globe. The social impact, the economic impact. Um, for centuries, men and women of faith have been making profound impacts all over the world in the name of Jesus to glorify God and to grow the church. That's incredible, right? And, and so we know we know that the church 
is vitally important. Deep down, we know it. And when we see that impact, we know it even more. So if we know this, we know that that's true, then why isn't it more of a priority for us to have our kids here? Why isn't it more of a priority for us to have our kids here? For them to be engaged, connected, and serving. Why do we treat this with indifference when it comes to our children? We want our kids to be great. But you know a little secret. I want my kids to be great. I'm not against that. I want them to make waves. But we want our kids to be great. So we put them in sports. I love sports. Um, My kids are athletes. But we put them in the ones that have a miss in 26 of the 52 Sundays we have. Because we want them to be great. The church is great. The church does great things. Your kid's probably not going to be a professional athlete. But they will certainly stand before God in judgment, right? We, we put them in these things and we push them because we want them to be great, right? We, we tell them what sports teams they should follow, what positions they should play. I did the same thing. I remember uh, when my oldest son was in second grade, I was a football guy. I love football. Um, you know, I was a decent player. You know, the older I get, the better I was in high school, you know? You guys know how that works. Um, <laughs> But uh, I remember pushing him into football. It was the worst time of my life. He hated it. And he was so rebellious as a second grader in it. It was horrible. Um, But I was like, no, you're going to be a football player because Shaw's play football. Um, Apparently, none of my kids play football, so I don't know how that works. Uh, But but we push that, right? We do. We live vicariously through them. Don't act like you don't. And and we say, this is what you love. This is what you do because you're going to be great. You're going to do great things. And this is important. But when it comes to thing of faith, the things of faith, going to church, getting connected, serving, we leave that decision up to them. Well, they don't want, they don't want to serve. They don't want to attend Wednesday service. They don't want to read their Bible. They don't want to, you guys won't let them choose OU over OSU, right? You, you pick for them, right? This is, what, this is my house. This is what we're going to follow. But you won't, you won't do the same with the things of God. We hound them on report cards, never miss a parent-teacher's conference, but how often have you taken time out of your day to go talk to Miss Stacy about how your kids are doing in our preschool ministry? We're, we're not babysitting. We're doing children's ministry with them. How often have you sat over there with Miss Ashley and said, how can I help you reach my child and grow them in faith? When is the last time you sat down with Pastor Jesse or Pastor Seth and asked them how you can be invested in the lives of your students who attend our student ministry? Our priorities get all messed up. We keep our kids up on the newest trends. They're cool. They fit in. Christianity even makes a nice little accessory, right? FCA, maybe pray after a touchdown, you know, it's great, as long as it doesn't get in the way of school or sports, as long as it doesn't make them look weird or you, right? It's good. It's good. We push them. We push them. And I get it. We all want our kids to fit in. We all want our kids to fit in, to not be overstressed, to have a good and fun childhood. And again, I've got six of them. I, I try to balance this all the time. I don't want my kids being the weird pastor kid, right? I don't want that. But... I don't want them to be indifferent to the things of God. I want them to enjoy childhood and, and to serve and to be connected. We dream of them making historic waves, that they would become wildly successful. You know, the kind of success that you go to dinner parties and tell everybody about, and everybody's like, oh, nah, Jim's showing up. He's going to be talking about little Johnny again. Nobody cares, right? We all want to be that parent, that everyone gets sick and tired of us bragging on. I get it. Janelle and I want that. 
we want that for our kids, but we need to go about it the right way. We need to pursue the right things first. We need to realize that the greatest thing they can do is live a life wholly submitted to God and fully connected to his church. The greatest thing they can do does not happen on a ball field. The greatest thing they can do does not happen in a classroom. The greatest thing they can do is be wholly connected to God, submitted to him, and connected to his church. It's the greatest thing. Our kids can be history makers right now. We, we talk about the greatness in the future. We're gonna push them in all the things. They're gonna, they're gonna be great athletes. They're gonna be connected in college. And one day, one day they're gonna make history. Why not today? We've already seen that the church, the body of Christ, shapes culture now, changes history now, impacts lives now. Your kids don't have to wait to be connected to something great, to do great works. They can start today. They can start today. Our kids can be history makers right now. During Jesus' final moments here on earth, he gave what we affectionately refer to as the Great Commission to go out, spread the gospel, and grow the church. The church is a gift to us from God. It's the bride of Christ, and it is clearly valued by every member of the Trinity. So sharing that with his children was such a priority for God. Shouldn't it be a priority for us to share it with our kids? Shouldn't we make sure that their suitcase is packed with a love for the local church? Shouldn't we make sure that as we're investing in all those areas of their lives, that we put an emphasis on the things of God, that we put an emphasis, that we make this a priority, that they don't question where you're gonna spend Sunday morning, where they don't question where they're gonna spend Wednesday evening, that if there's an event to serve, they don't question whether or not you're gonna be there as a family reaching the community. They don't question it. We need to understand this starts with us. We need to pack their suitcase properly. And we need to understand our kids will prioritize what you emphasize. And if you emphasize ball games, they will too. And there's nothing wrong with it. It just can't be the first thing. It can't be the first thing. Today, I have three things that I want to share with you. And I hope they will encourage you to put a bigger emphasis on making church a priority for you and your family. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open them up to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're gonna start in verse 19. If you have the Version Bible app, we have most of that in there. You got a handout as well. There's gonna be a couple of things I share that aren't in there. Um, so, you know, it's best if you kind of move with us, read along. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened up a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. I wanna stop. Don't let the significance of that be lost on you. When we read that passage, it's because of Jesus we can enter the most holy place. Jesus opened a new and life-giving, say life-giving, life-giving way through the curtain. There used to be a separation. 
There was a time where you couldn't go into the presence of God like we have the privilege of doing so today. If I so choose, I can spend every moment, every second, every, every minute of my life in the presence of God. That wasn't always that way. It's because of Jesus, because of what he's done, because of what he's gifted us, that we have the ability, the privilege to go into the most holy place at any given time. Any given time is our heart's desires. It goes on in verse 23. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And so the writers of Hebrew is talking about the fact that because of Jesus, we can go into the most holy place, right? We can go into the presence of God. And then he goes to this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways. And I love this. Uh, one of the things that we do, we have Live Free. It's our men's mentoring home here in town. Um, it's a beautiful ministry. I love it. We get the journey with guys. So great. Um, but every Sunday we have a meeting. Um, we come together. One of the things we do is we go over this passage. We go over this passage and we talk about the significance of this. We call it spotlighting. And each man will point at one of the other men in the house and say, I saw you. I saw you doing good. I saw you doing right. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Why? Because they don't have that other places. They have critics everywhere. They have family where they've burned bridges. They've damaged things. And people telling them that they're failures, that they're always going to be a failure. They have, there's no lack in people against them, but there's lack in people for them. And so we intentionally take time to do this. Where else are they going to get it? If not, with the body of believers that they journey with. And, and that's what the writers of Hebrews is talking about here. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work. And he goes on and he says, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Let us not neglect church. Let us not neglect Bible study. Let us not neglect life groups. Let us not neglect this. Motivate one another. And if we're gonna motivate one another, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but, say but, but encourage one another. But encourage one another. Don't, make, don't be indifferent to the things of God. Don't be indifferent to coming here, but be the opposite. Come together. Be an encouragement to your brothers, to your sisters. Let us encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, church attendance is not just a good suggestion. It's God's will for believers. That we shouldn't be indifferent to this. We shouldn't neglect it. And point number one is this. Our kids, they need the encouragement the church provides. There is no shortage of critics out there that our children encounter. There is no shortage of people telling them where they miss it and how they fail, ridiculing them. There's no shortage of people against our children. Our kids need more fans. The church provides our children with a cheering section that goes far beyond your reach and my reach. That's one of the things I love about this. One of the things I love, I've got six kids and I cannot be everywhere that they're at. I can't follow them, watch them, experience everything with them, keep them out of all the trouble. But I've been blessed. They've been blessed with a church family, a church community that knows them and loves them. And I love that. I love to tell my kids, don't forget I have eyes everywhere. What a blessing as a dad 
to know that they cannot step foot in Claremore, Oklahoma without somebody recognizing who they are and knowing who their daddy is. It's a blessing beyond measure. But even more so, when I can't make a track event because I'm tied down at work, you can. You can and you do. And you cheer for my children when I can't. Awards assemblies that I don't get to be at, you do. And there's no shortage of people that come alongside them, that see them do great, that tell them they do great, that love them and cheer for them. And that's you. I can't do that on my own. And I cannot understand why anyone in this world would want to raise their kids apart from that. I want every one of you to know my kids, to love them and cheer for them, to root for them, encourage them. It's a beautiful thing. I've got discipline under control. There's no lack of that. But they can use all the love in the world. Our kids need the encouragement the church provides. The church extends beyond our influence. You know, even as I think about the fact that there'll be a time, there'll be a time when I'm not there. They're gonna move out. They may move somewhere else. If I instill a love for the local church, they'll get plugged in and connected wherever they go to college. They'll have the same fans, same encouragement, same people who have their back. There's gonna be a day and a time where I'm not on this earth anymore, where they can't go down the hall, where they can't pick up the phone and seek counsel or help from me, but the body of Christ will always be there. That's what we mean when we say forever family, that even in my absence, even one day in my death, the church will be there, encouraging my kids as adults, encouraging my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. Our kids need the encouragement of the church. So it's one of the beautiful things. It gives us a forever support system. Again, our kids need the encouragement of the church. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're gonna to begin to look at our next point. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're gonna start in verse four. Uh, this is the apostle Paul here. He is written 1 Corinthians to the church in Corinth, uh, addressing some sin and things. And, and here he's talking about spiritual gifts and he'll transition into unity. Um, he says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us. Say each of us. Each of us so we can help each other. So Paul is specifically talking about spiritual gifts. And in just a moment, he's going to transition to unity in the body. That's the church, right? And he's saying each of us has been given a spiritual gift. For what reason? To elevate our status on TikTok? No. I'm sorry. That's not what it's for. So people know how great you are on Instagram. No. To, to get promotions at work? It fits to glorify God. No, it's to serve each other, help each other, to, to grow the body. That's the primary purpose of our gifts. And your kids, my kids, have lots of gifts. I'm doing them a disservice if I don't teach them how their gifts relate to the body. If I don't show them that what God has gifted them to do 
above all else is to reach people for the sake of Jesus. My kids, I don't know what they'll do. I mean, I don't know what your kids will do. But I know this, if they became the best doctor, best surgeon out there, but they forsake the gathering and they don't invest back into the body of Christ, they don't reach people for Jesus, I failed as a parent. I failed. Because that's the greatest contribution they can make. It's the greatest thing they can make. Our emphasis has to be on the things of God. Has to be on the things of God. It says spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. See, your kids need the ministry opportunities that being connected to the church provides. You have a unique opportunity for your kids to explore and connect and engage and serve in such profound ways. And point number two, the church allows them to discover their purpose and reach their full potential. You know, I didn't grow up with this. I wasn't raised in the church. Um, it, my parents meant well. This just wasn't a part of our story. And for so long, I didn't understand what my purpose was. I went through adult life aimless. And I wasn't like aimless in, in one sense. I knew what I wanted to do. You know what I didn't know? What I was supposed to do. Man, I sought things to satisfy my desires, my flesh, and they weren't necessarily bad. They just weren't from God. Nothing can substitute God's call on their lives. And you can push all sorts of things, but, but God needs to reveal what their purpose is. And it's only through their purpose that they reach their full potential. It's only through their purpose that they'll reach their full potential. It's not enough just to attend church. We should be involved and some type of ministry to others using the gifts God has given us. When we jump down to verse 12, it says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Your kids, as believers, are a part of the body of Christ. They need to know what role they play, what's their purpose, what's their function. He goes on, it says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, does that not make it any less part of the body? And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, say many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. God has called your child to ministry. And they may go out into the world and do great things for business. <laughs> may do great things out there. But your child's still called to ministry. Every one of us is. And we need to know what our purpose and our potential is inside the body. And that's revealed through God's church. In verse 27, it says, all of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. Not one of us who calls on the name of Jesus has been called to operate away from the church. You just haven't. You can be a Christian without this. I've heard that argument all the time. Well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You're right. You're right. 
but you will never utilize and discover your purpose and reach your full potential absent of it. Our kids need this so that they can reach the fulfillment of what God has called them to be and what he's called them to do. Our kids need to be engaged so they can discover their purpose and reach their potential. Lastly, I want you to turn to 1 John. 1 John 4, as we begin to look at point number three, um, uh, 1 John was written uh, by the Apostle John, the Apostle of Love. He's called that because he put a significant emphasis on love, um, not only through uh, his gospel, but through um, his epistles, which is 1, 2, and 3 John. Um, and he starts off with this in verse 7. He says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love, right? So if we are a part of God's church, a part of the body, we love because God is love. But anyone who's not loved does not know God. God showed how much he loved us. So we get this example of what love is. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So God is love. If we love God, we'll love just like God. And we get this great example of love through Jesus, right? Sacrificial love. Even the son of man came to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many, right? That's the examples. That's what John's laying out. That type of love. He goes on, he says, dear friends, since God has loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. I'm gonna pause that's hard. I had somebody message me a few days ago, and he's like, man, works hard, this, that, and the other. I don't know how to love these people. Like, I'm sick and tired of it. We've all been there, right? I mean, but that doesn't negate the call that God's placed on our lives to love people, especially those within the church. It says, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression. Say full expression. Full expression in us. So when we love that shows that God lives in us and it brings God's love to full expression. So what that says is that if we receive God's love, right? God saved me, I'm a Christian, I'm not connected to anything though and I've just received God's love and I've received a gift but I'm not doing anything with it, right? I'm not using it to serve or anything like that and I'm just taking it. It's, God's love has not been brought to full expression. It's diminished in some way because of me. I've, I've withheld it, right? I've, I've turned it down. It's not fulfilling its, its complete purpose because it was meant to be received, right? And then poured out. That, that's what it was intended for. It saves you so that we can be the visible image of God to those around us, right? So that those who don't know God would wanna know God just because of the way you love them. Like that's the call. That's how God's love is brought to full expression in us. And so when we bring out the expression of God's love, we are allowing ourselves to be the visible image of an invisible God. And so if you're one of the ones that does church at home, right? Or you're watching on YouTube all the time and you don't wanna be a part of this, well, you're, you're, not, you're not serving your community properly if you're not, if you're not loving God or loving people adequately and, and allowing God's love to be brought to full expression. You're, you're kind of missing the mark here. And so point number three is this, the church brings out the full expression of God's love because we have to be a part of the body. We have to know our purpose. We have to know our role. And then in the community, we become the expression of God's love. 
so that people who don't know God, who've never witnessed God, seen God move, will know him, see him. He will be revealed to him by the way we behave, by the way that we love our community. That's one of the great things we do here at Cedar Point Church, right? You've heard that we're relentlessly good to our community. Why? So people will think we're great? No. So people will know he's great, right? We love people so that people who don't know God will come to know him. We feed sports teams, right? We bring in the zebras football, Sequoia, all of that. We feed them lunch before games. Why? So that they can see God, so they can know God, so that we can be the visible image of an invisible God in a broken culture that church brings out the full expression of God's love. That's what we're called to do, that church exists to be a reflection of God's indescribable love. We're the body of Christ. He's the head. We're the body. And we gotta know your purpose. You've gotta know your role. You gotta be brought to your full potential. Our children need this so they can bring about the full expression of God's love, so they can make historical waves. When our kids are connected to the church, they have the opportunity to be a part of a culture shift, story-changing and life-saving work. You want your kids to be great, they can be great today. You want your kids to go on and do great things? I want my kids to do great things today to serve our community, right? To love on people, to help get people saved. I want, I want my kids to be a functioning member of the body of Christ today, not 20 years from now, not 10 years from now, today. And when I look at what we do here, when I look at what we do here, you know, I get to oversee our recovery ministry. I love that. It's great. We have 235 people showing up every week. It's, it's awesome. You know what I love more? My kids are a part of it. My daughter's gonna lead worship. One of the songs is, she's, she's gonna use her gifts to reach adults in our community. What a beautiful thing. What if she waited till she was 20? She'd be missing it. Somebody's life may be impacted tomorrow because my 16-year-old daughter's gonna get up here and do something. Some of my kids run cameras. Some of your kids run cameras, right? They're doing great things today. The church exists to be the full expression of God's love. The church exists so we can be the visible image of God. And we have so many opportunities, even here. But we say we want our kids to be great. We want our kids to do great things. And we put an emphasis on, on later. And we make investments on tomorrow. And we neglect today. We neglect getting them connected and plugged in and serving today. We neglect putting an emphasis on the here and the now, the body of Christ today. I said this in the opening. I want to say it again. We need to realize that the greatest thing we can do is live a life wholly submitted to God and fully connected to his church. Our kids need to know that they're a part of the body right now, and they need to discover their purpose, reach their potential, serve our community, make waves Make history today. My kids are building a legacy. Your kids can be building a legacy. Get them connected. Teach them to love the local church. I want us to do this. I want you to close your eyes. That's right where you're at. I want you to spend a moment with God. Ask him to reveal where you're at today. Have you placed the proper value on his church? Have you missed it? Have you put a bigger priority and emphasis on secular things over the body of Christ?